When I'm not hosting this podcast, I am writing books, but it is really hard for me to write when I'm at home, so I like to find remote cabins in the middle of nowhere to just hang out and write. But I hate the idea of my house just sitting empty, doing nothing but collecting dust and definitely not collecting checks. And that's why I'm an Airbnb host. It's one of my all-time favorite side hustles. Other popular side hustles are awesome too, don't get me wrong, but they often involve big startup costs. By hosting your space, you're monetizing what you already have access to. It doesn't get easier than that. And if you're new to the side hustle game and you're anxious about getting started, don't worry because you're not in this alone. Airbnb makes it super easy to host. I mean, if I could do it, you could do it. And your home might be worth a lot more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com host. I'm Nicole Lappin, the only financial expert you don't need a dictionary to understand. It's time for some money rehab. Being a pro athlete has always seemed so glamorous, but the illusion recently has been shattered by athletes like Simone Biles speaking up about the mental toll. On a recent episode of her MN pod, Moneymaker, Nellie Galan interviewed pro skateboarder Paul Rodriguez about the career path of an athlete. But beyond that, he talks about how to diversify your money-making opportunities and streams of income, which is especially important in industries like sports where longevity is, well, often shorter than most would like. So whether you're athletic or you're hand-eye challenged like me, I wanted to share this episode because it is packed with money gems. Here's that conversation. Welcome to Moneymaker, the podcast that gives you the tools to enrich your life in every sense of the word. I'm your host, Nellie Galan. Let's get started. I'm very excited to speak to someone who I'm happy to say I've known since he's eight years old. We're aging ourselves. Uh, The goaded, the legendary (laughs) skateboarder, Paul Rodriguez, who happens to be my stepson and is the brother of my son. So we've known each other for many years. And I, and you know, I'm the only person I think that used to call you. I still call you, but not, not in public, Munchkin. It's all good. I, I I passed that age where like you feel embarrassed by it. Now I'm older and I like it's endearing and I love it now. Yeah, so I know I, you love yeah. it. So I have to say it's very beautiful that I I went on your on the site of Nike where mm-hmm. you're one of how many athletes that's had ten shoes? I think it's only like five, right? So, no, I think maybe like eight. eight maybe wow, I could eight be wrong. Athletes in history. Yeah. That but that's very few. I'm the only um, one under six feet tall. That's what I'm most proud of. I'm, I'm very <laughs> proud of that too. And I read what they wrote about you and I thought, how beautiful. And I don't even, you, knowing you, you haven't even read it. So I thought I'd read it to you. It says, it takes more than talent to turn opportunity into legacy. Making an immediate impression in his early teenage years, Paul Rodriguez has stacked video parts. Mm -hmm. trophies, and milestones at a staggering clip. Through his 10 signature shoes with Nike SB, P-Rod always is finding innovative ways to balance tech and function. He continues to drive his career forward by remaining modest yet fiercely independent. Wow. I thought that was a very beautiful, truthful, way of, of describing you, you are a very modest person. Thank you. And very introverted. I'm super shy. Super shy. Yeah. And yet you're very successful, but in a quiet, very unassuming way, which I think is, is quite beautiful. Thank and you. I have to say, 
So let's talk about when you were eight years old. Okay, I think it's time okay. to reminisce. Yeah, I remember the first night I met you perfectly. You do? I remember it perfectly. What was I wearing? <laughs> How do you remember? You were wearing a polka dot dress, black with white polka dots. No. Yeah, I remember that. So I was at the time dating your dad. Yep. And I remember that you were so old for your age that you used to give me advice like you were my therapist. <laughs> I remember those days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I remember you saying, no, yeah. my dad's never going to change. <laughs> you better accept it. You were like my little uh, therapist. Yeah. And, and, and you and I would go to the movies a lot. For sure. Right? Mm -hmm. We hung out a lot together. Mm -hmm. And I and I even remember with you with your first skateboard. I think I'm one of the people that bought you your you first did, skateboard. You did, actually. You did. Talk about going into an emerging field, mm -hmm. an emerging sport, an emerging mm -hmm. business. Who knew? You just loved it. There's something to be said about just following that instinct. Timing, right? And I don't know why you connected with that skateboard and then you took off. But then a few years later you were wanting to leave high school to go pro. And I remember being very upset about that. Uh, maybe, may, maybe because I think I had finished high school two years early. I had left school as well. I didn't get to go back to school till many years later when mm -hmm. I finally got a master's and a doctorate. And I felt like, and it's funny because you and I talk about this now, I felt like I had missed some years in my life emotionally. That later on, it was very hard to catch up, and I didn't want that for you. I can feel that. I do feel that, but not about school. Right, because you didn't like school. No, I hated school. But you're. But it's funny because you're a very learned person, and you love to learn. I do love to learn. But you just I didn't just like to, to learn, learn that way. I just love to learn what I want to learn. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you were very lucky because let's talk about that moment. You started skating, mm. and you really found your thing. Yeah. And was... so was it like, is it like love at first sight? Yes, so... So going back to when I first met you that first night, I had just come home from watching the Bruce Lee story called Dragon. And George, remember George, uh, he, <laughs> he took me to go see it with my cousins. And um, when I got home, that's when I first met you. And I was so excited about having just watched that movie because I was super into karate at that time. I was Bruce Lee is still one of my biggest heroes of life. And so my personality as far back as I can remember, was any hobby I had in my mind, that was my calling. So in my mind, I'm doing karate. I want to be a great martial artist. I wanted to do action films like Bruce Lee and do that. And then next phase came, I found a guitar. Oh, my God, I want to play guitar. I want to be, oh, Jimi Hendrix. He's my favorite. I want to be one of the greatest guitar players ever, have an amazing band and, and be great at that. And then after guitar, a skateboard came into my life. Oh my God, same mentality. This is awesome. I love this. Who are the best people? Eric Costin, Andrew Reynolds, Tom Penny, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, yes, I want to do this. Matter of fact, I don't know if you remember, I remember when you were pregnant with this guy right here. I tried to convince you to name him Tom after my favorite <laughs> skater, Tom Penny. I was like, I was like, please just name him Tom. Name him Tom. That's the best name ever. You, you were like, no, absolutely not. I was like, please name him Tom. Uh, I wanted him to be named Tom. So, hey, Tom. <laughs> so you're kind of a hyper focuser, is what you're telling. I me. guess, yeah. That if you I, don't like what you don't like, and then when you like, you it's like you all go deep. The way. You go deep. Which I've learned to be a problem after that. It's, <laughs> had problems in life after that with with that mentality but uh for whatever reason nothing else came and took my attention like like you know it was martial arts and guitar and then guitar and then skateboarding but for whatever reason nothing else came and took my attention off of skateboarding and it just so skateboard did it, skateboarding did it for you scratched my itch whatever it was yeah 
And I remember that everything was happening so fast because it went from being like a non-sport sport to all of a sudden you were getting called to be on teams and you were getting asked to do skateboards for people. And like, it all became very big, very fast. Mm -hmm. it's, or it seemed mm -hmm. that way. Like it, it kind of snowballed, right? Yeah, yeah. And very quickly, you had to make a lot of very big grown-up decisions, like leaving school. Sure, yeah. Talk about a little bit about that. How did that come about? Like, why did you have to leave school? Now that we've I, had yeah. years, so we can have therapy yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Um, why did I have to leave school? I didn't have to, but I had to. You know, in my heart, in my soul, I had to. Um, I just remember, like, telling my mom for at least two years, Mom, like once I got my first little taste of sponsorship, which was not really much, like this skate shop told me they would sponsor me. And what that meant was we'll give you 10% discount on whatever you want to buy in the store. But in my mind, that was like, oh, that means I'm going somewhere. That's the first drop of blood in the water and I'm a shark and I'm going to, this is going somewhere. That's a sign. Keep going. And um, so I remember telling my mom like, Please, can I get home studies? I promise I'll do my work. I wasn't going to do the work. I was like, I promise I'll do my work. But think about this way, Mom. If I can skate more hours a day and and I'll get better faster, then I'll become pro. And then I can take care of all the bills, take care of all the family. And like I was just trying to figure out any way any I can angle. like, yeah, any way I can like convince it and make it a compelling story. But also that was true. You do the math. Like, you know, you just... If I, instead of going to school for six hours, if I have those extra six hours a day to skateboard, I'm obviously going to get that much better every day. And all my friends and all the ki other kids who have the same dream as me, they have to go to school and they're in school. So they skate less hours than me. So you every were going to beat everybody. In my mind, I, I was going to out skate them, outwork them. And it was just a natural progression. Of course, I'm going to get better because I'm spending more time doing it. Well, let it. me ask you something. A lot of people decide to, I want to be, I want to be a basketball player. That doesn't mean it's going to happen. So there has to be also like an innate natural ability, don't you think, or not? I think my what was natural for me is just the enthusiasm for it, like that that the like I didn't look at it as like you have to have work ethic, you got to be disciplined. That was like I didn't even need to be. Well, but how about athletic ability? Sure, I, I I definitely have a certain athleticism, but like it's not like I'm like seven feet tall i mean even right now to this day i'm five foot seven you know it's not like i had any obvious like physical thing that trait that made me like boom like if i wanted to be a football player or whatever you got oh this guy's built like a like a like a house you know this guy's super tall he's gonna be basketball whatever like there was no obvious trait sure i was coordinated and i was um athletic but there's a lot of people like that and I know a lot of people like that who never took that to the next level. So, sure, I was given some gifts. And I think everyone's given a gift, whatever their gift is. But if you don't have a passion for whatever that gift is, you're not going to turn that gift into a gift. That's, that's true. I found something like I couldn't at the time when I was that young, you know, everything's the biggest deal. I couldn't live without it. I had to do this all the time. Couldn't, couldn't not do it. So it wasn't like work ethic or discipline or it was just like. I have to. It was so a, it's like something something you would do for free just because you loved it. I did, yeah, absolutely. But but success came really quick. Yeah, and you started making money quick. Yeah, and so let's talk about being a kid. 
at least what I thought was money. Yeah, at the well, time. For, yeah, for you, for that, at I, that moment was yeah. money. And I, I mean, at what age didn't Nike come in pretty early in the game? Like you were yeah, well, sixteen or something, right? Not that 17? early. I signed to Nike when I was nineteen, but I turned pro at seventeen, and I started when I turned when I was twelve. So between twelve to nineteen, that's only seven years. That's pretty quick. And you just talked about it takes ten years to become great at anything. That's right. And so like. Thank God I was able to have home studies. Those those extra six <laughs> hours a day of skating made me reach what most people would have accomplished in 10 years in seven because I was able to cram those extra hours that amounted to the same time that they would have done in 10, but I did it in seven, you know? it's all, But also the, 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 the sport itself was kind of growing at the same time you were growing. You were like- It was, yeah. Right in the, I mean, at that time, Tony Hawk was like the only one that we'd hear about, He right? was, he pretty much still is the only household name. Like, I'm relatively well-known, but like, Tony Hawk is still the only real household name as far as skateboarders go. But then all of a sudden, when you got into it, it became a whole other thing, mm-hmm. right? And so, how did you deal with, because you're very even-keeled, and even then, you're very, you're a very old soul in a way. <laughs> Thank you. So- I remember you being 16 and 17 and coming to talk to me and saying, what do I do about this money? And mm-hmm. like, what do I do about the accounting? Yeah. And I remember we talked a lot about it and I just said, don't go crazy because this, as we know, these things have a beginning, middle and end. hundred percent. And we talked a lot about how to manage your money. Sure. So how did you have that understanding that that was something you, you were going to have to deal with? When you're very young, when you're like a teenager, you want that flashy life. You are so not like that now. Yeah, I mean, you I, have you have your toys and stuff. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. But you yeah, yeah, yeah. are I'm very, that, yeah. you're pretty conservative. Yeah, sure, sure. When you're younger, you definitely want the glitz and the glam and and, and that. And don't get him wrong, I still want a, a certain level of opulence, but I don't need like the over the top ridiculousness. So from that point, when you start getting now agents and managers and whatever and all of that. I mean, I know a lot of athletes that have lost everything and have you, you, one thing I've always thought about you, Paul, is that you've always attracted good people to you. Do you think that that's your intuition? Do you think that's just been, I don't know. I think so. And me personally, I believe in God and I always have believed in God and I don't necessarily subscribe to any certain religion, but I always believe in God, always stay prayed up and I just look at it as like, is Kobe said this line one time a long time ago. He said, the harder I work, the luckier I get. And I just felt like I was just in alignment with what felt right to me. I would stay with my prayers, stay working hard. And I can't take any credit for that. Yes, the right people came to me. I was born in Southern California, the home of skateboarding. I was born right in the epicenter of it. At a, at the specific time when it was starting to blow up, I was young, and I, at the time was considered a prodigy, and it just all those factors. There's so many of those factors that I am not in control of, but it just uh, so I can't say that I attracted it to me, but I just felt like I was moving in alignment with what my soul was yearning for, and it and it just came. And so, you know, some people say sometimes people get anointed or things happen to them in the right place at the right time and all that. But that doesn't mean that the rest of life is easy. No, right? no, no, not at all. And, and, and it wasn't easy because you really worked for it and you worked really hard. Yeah, it's very difficult. But, but it's then just... there's a whole other side of life 
which, and you and I've talked about it a lot and we love it, which is the money side of life. And the money side yeah. of life, we know, because we've talked about this a lot, isn't just, you. yeah, you've had this very successful career, but an athlete's life, we know, has a beginning, middle, and end. And we've talked about a lot how you had to really be very cognizant of that. Sure. Because if not, then you wake up like so many people the, sure. ne- the day after some, that it's over and yeah. you go, what happened to yeah. all that money? Yeah. And, that, and we've seen that happen. 100%. You and I have both known many celebrities and many people, and many of them have ended up with no money when they've had so much money. So- when did you start or did it did it come to you or did you start you i i know you always had a simpatico with investment and money you'd always come over and see me and go now well you're buying buildings and what are you doing yeah, and I, yeah, yeah. so you had an interest in it and i know always. that you also have always been self-taught in that you've gone online and gone and heard rich dad poor dad yeah and podcast and tony robbins and you've had the privilege of hanging out with kobe and other so from all of that stuff what were you gathering if you try to remember what were you gathering as a as a your other part of life so back then you know i was the only child well, I, you know, I had my half sister, but I wasn't really living there. I was, I didn't have a big brother, or like, you know, in the house. Like, I didn't live with my dad. You know, I would see him when I had time to see him. But like, so I would, I was very much a loner, very much, um, I could be social, but I was shy, as we talked about. And, and um, so I would be watching these movies, these Bruce Lee movies, and I would be, I would make in my mind, in my mind, Bruce Lee's my big brother. So I'm just going to follow him and do what he does. And then, I, you know, Muhammad Ali, I love him. He's my big brother. I'm just going to emulate him. And then, you know, as I got a little older, I got into music, got into hip-hop. Jay-Z, oh, he's my big brother. I love Jay-Z. I like, And I just made these all these my heroes, my imaginary big brothers. And I just tried to do what I thought they would do. Right. And the more I learned about Jay-Z, about how he owned everything he did, he, he full ownership, um, and controls every every move he makes. He's his own boss, and I was like, "Whoa! Like, what if I can do what he does in that world? But what if I can do it in my little world here? What if I can be my own boss? What if I can own a brand? What if I can, you know, have money that comes in while I sleep? What if I can do all those, these things so that no matter what, I can always skate?" If you had Jay Z just as an example. Talk about how you manifested exactly that ownership in your own life. Sure. Um, So early, early on, even before I had my first skate sponsor, my uncle Dave, he used to take me around a skate contest and he would just do it off his own dime and just drive me two hours away. It was like little league of skateboarding. He would just take me, buy hotel rooms, take me to skate contests and everything. And at one point, I, I was like, I want to start my own skateboard brand. How would that be so cool? And he invested, you know, at the time, I thought it was major money. <laughs> he probably invested two, three grand. We got a couple skateboards printed up, and he would drive me around to different skate shops, and I would ask, hi, I just started a, um, a skateboard brand. Do you guys want to buy it? A couple of them thought it was cute and said, you know what, how about this? We'll put you on consignment. This is how I learned what consignment, consignment was. But like, how about this? When we sell the board, we'll give you the payment for what the board costs. We'll do that. And like, so I would leave like one or two boards and they would be nice. It'd be cute. A couple of them sold. So early on, I wanted to have my own brand. I just thought it was cool. Like I could design my own graphics and, you know, make it look the way I want it to be. 
And then eventually a real actual board brand came, asked me to ride for them, be sponsored. I had to tell Uncle Dave, hey, Uncle Dave, like, sorry, like, I got actually sponsored. I'm going to ride with it. I remember him being like, you can just, I just invested this. You're going to leave this, you know, leave me with all these boards? <laughs> I was like, sorry, I just, like, I just got to go with this. It, it was That was my first, like, hard conversation business disappointment yeah, yeah, to, to yeah, have yeah, let yeah. somebody down exactly so i don't know for the for whatever reason that was always in my mind like even before skating i always like doing lemonade stands i just i like you had an idea. entrepreneurial i guess so i guess so i, I just like i didn't know how to call it that but that's what it was i like the idea of just having cash that's <laughs> that simple I, I just knew from a little kid age i wanted to be rich plain and simple no matter how, I just wanted to be rich and live the life I wanted. Hold on. Moneymaker will be right back. Money rehabbers, you have money hidden in your house. Yeah, just hiding there in plain sight. Okay, so I don't mean you have gold bars hidden somewhere in walls, treasure map style, but you do have a money-making opportunity that you're just leaving on the table if you're not hosting on Airbnb. It's one of my all-time favorite side hustles. By hosting your space, you are monetizing what you already own. It doesn't get easier than that. For me, hosting on Airbnb has always been a no-brainer. When I first signed up, I remember thinking to myself, self, you pay a lot of money for your house. It is time that house returned the favor. And to get real with you for a sec, I felt so much guilt before treating myself on vacation because traveling can be so expensive. But since hosting on Airbnb, I feel zero stress for treating myself to a much needed vacation because having Airbnb guests stay at my house when I'm traveling helps offset the cost of my travel. So it's such a win-win. I mean, if I could do it, you could do it. And your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Do you ever get FOMO, fear of missing out? Well, do you ever get FOMO Tupita, fear of missing out on the perfect hire? If so, I have the antidote. It's LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites, and that adds up to a serious squad of awesome candidates. LinkedIn has over a billion professionals on the platform, and these candidates are super qualified. So much so that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within just 24 hours. I work with LinkedIn Jobs for all of my dream team needs, so they're hooking up money rehabbers at linkedin.com slash MNN. Go there and you can post your job for free. That's linkedin.com slash MNN, as in Money News Network, to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Me again. If you are loving this conversation, and I know you are, duh, don't forget to subscribe to Moneymaker. The link is right there in the episode description. Let's get back to the show. So you you start there with the primitive products. I mean, I guess that's that was pre-primitive. That was very very pre- early. Primitive, yeah. It was like 2008 when primitive. So that started. so you went from basically sort of like like some licensed stuff. How did primitive come about? Which is so, your brand and your company? Primitive came about after I signed a Nike. My friend Andy, who was one of the founders of Primitive, uh he was the um, manager of the, the local skate shop shop that I was sponsored by. And when I signed to Nike, he came to me as like, hey, man, like I got all these years of retail experience. Uh, I know the shoe market. Now that you're signed with Nike, if we partner up, partnered up, we can open up a really cool sneaker store. I'm telling you, it can do good. 
And I was 19 at the time, and I was like, I don't know. At this time, I'm thinking. And you were allowed to do that even though you had Nike. Yeah. And I, I was thinking at this time, I was thinking before I actually gave into the idea, I was thinking I didn't understand what passive income was yet. I was thinking earned income was just the way to go. And I was like, well, in my mind, I was making a lot of money. And uh, after a few years went by, I started learning a little more. By the time I'm 22, he had still been on me about this idea. He was like, hey, man, I'm telling you, we can do this. Talk to Nike. We can open up a sneaker shop, get the coolest Nike shoes in there. Boom, boom, boom. And I'm like, at this point, I'm like, okay, yeah. I start realizing like, you know what? I thought 30 was like the end of my career and I was 22. I'm like, eight years from now, it'd be good to start getting something going. So by the time I had to retire, in my mind at 30, I had to retire and um, I should have something like ready to go because I don't ever want to get a job. I don't want to have to ever do what I don't want to do. So I said, okay, let's do it. And so we, we talked to Nike. They said, like, give us a business plan. Show us that you're serious. Okay, what's a business plan? <laughs> and so uh, we went, we found uh, an accountant who is now actually the CEO of Primitive to this day. Uh, we found an accountant. He showed us how to make a business plan. He helped us with the business plan. And, um, and, and we you presented went to, Nike? to Nike and they were like, okay, wow, this is cool. And they were just like, yeah, okay. You're but you serious. Know that, that, even that story is like a one in a million. Cause the chances of you meeting someone and then even finding an accountant and that it all works out mm-hmm. is almost miraculous because most entrepreneurs have nightmare stories of their first partnership. As, during the whole primitive thing, you also decided to start getting involved with or investing in a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. So how did that come about? Is it that when you're an athlete, people come to you and, 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 and there are, mm-hmm. are there a lot of things you turn down? Did you have an instinct for like, I think that's a great business? Because you've had uh, pretty great luck in the things I have, you've chosen. I have, I have. Um, I would call it naive. I was naive in a lot of ways. Um, I was also still young enough and early in my career where like, if I took risks that didn't pan out, I still had time to recover. Um, I didn't know that at the time. Now looking back, I know that. But um, like the first after primitive, first other real thing I tried, I tried to start this wallet company with three friends of mine. I love those wallets. Marquisa wallets. So yeah, myself, my friend Jason, my friend Nigel. We tried. We didn't invest. Uh, actually, I did. Now that I think about it, what, it was a lot of money. I probably invested like maybe 90000 in it. And we try to get it going, and we're trying, we try, but long story short, it didn't work. It failed. I lost that money. But I look at that as like I could have spent that money trying to go to an Ivy League college and and learn about business, but I guess I spent that money, and I still learned about business in another way. So I look at that as like that was my college. Mm -hmm. Chalk it up to that. You know, I don't have any student loan debt, anything at (laughs) least, so that was cool. It's just one and done. Um, So that failed, but – I don't know. It didn't scare me because I still was young and I still really believed in myself and my skate career that I was still going up, going strong and that it's okay. So you had a meat and potatoes I, business. Exactly. Which, which for me was TV. And then exactly. other, instead of you investing in, in real estate, even though you did invest in some real estate, you decided to invest entrepreneurially. Sure. Because in assets that would make you money while you slept. That's all I understood because I only saw my favorite pro skaters started companies. They were the ones who sponsored me. Oh, you started a company? Oh, in my mind, oh, you're rich. Oh, 
so in my mind, I thought that's how you get rich. It's the only way is to start brands. But that's a lot of work. I wouldn't even call that's not passive income because you have to work to make that thing work. Right. And um, but in my mind, I thought like, oh yeah, make a brand. It's easy. You can do it. Anybody can do it. And I found out, no, you can't. Even if you have buzz and you have like a good following, if you don't understand how to make infrastructure work and like you know margins and like like the numbers, the numbers, the tedious stuff. Yeah. If you you don't know how to make that work, then you're gonna fail. So I tried it that, and then um, the one that really sparked me up was in about two thousand. What was it? Nine or ten. My friend who I want to get on this podcast, Mikey Taylor, the real estate guy, he calls me up. He says, hey, I just went on this trip uh, with this guy, Josh. I think you might have met him. And I'd met Josh a couple years before. He was doing these videos for for schools, editing and filming them. And it was about like athletes who don't do drugs and you're trying to inspire the kids to like stay clean and whatnot. And I had met him, but somehow Josh was also a surf filmmaker. My friend Mikey, pro skater also, but loves surfing. He ended up on a surf trip and these guys met and they clicked and they started talking and like they got to talking like, oh, you know, Paul, I know Paul. Oh, 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 Paul's my friend. Okay, cool. And that trip, they were talking like entrepreneurial, like we should start a brand. Of course, that's how we think coming from our industry. Got to start a brand, start a brand. That's the way to make money. They're like, what do you want? Should we do backpack company? No, there's already a lot of backpack companies in our industry. Like, uh, what else do they? Sunglass company? We've got tons of sunglass companies in our company. And so the way they told me the story is they were in a hotel room. They were sharing the hotel room. And they were going back, throwing out, what about this kind of company? No, what about this kind of company? No, it's too many, too much competition. How? And so they, ah, it's getting late. Let's turn off the lights, go to sleep. And they go to bed, and one of them pops up turns on a light and says what about beer and he was like what about beer you're right like has anyone in our industry started their own beer and no i don't think so i mean action sports people surfers skaters bmxers even though we are athletes beer is heavily flowing in the industry (laughs) and that's how it started so that's so he called me they didn't know anything about that not a clue so they called me on their way home and, and they said hey paul with Josh, they told me the whole story. Like, we have this idea. You want to meet with us? Let's talk about it. Okay. So I meet with them. They're my friends. I know these guys. Like, we have this idea, big idea. Like, we want to start a beer brand. I'm like, okay. I like beer. Fine. <laughs> and then and then we go and we start trying to do the research. How do you start? How do you make a beer brand? What do you do? And like, for, in the skateboard world, you find a manufacturer. They make the wood. You just have them uh, make the boards for you. They put the screen. You just provide them with the graphics. They'll print out whatever you want. Send you the boards. Pay them. So we thought that's how we found a brewer, contract brewer, and they made all the beer. We were just going to make cans, make put our logo on market, our label. We found out nope, no margins in that, no money in that. We tried to visit different breweries. Everything we could, and my friend Josh quit his job. He stopped being a, a surf filmmaker. He moved down to San Diego from Ventura, and my, Mikey and myself invested money each to basically fund him quitting his job and only doing this every day. And he turned from a filmmaker who knew nothing about beer into a genius in beer, like 
that. So he focused the way you focus in skateboarding on beer. And that's actually the only way I gauged on how to work with people. That's actually a point I missed out when we started Primitive, when my friend Andy kept talking to me about this. And I kept saying, no, no, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Finally, when I gave in, what made me realize is like, he's so passionate about this. He feels the way about this that I feel about skateboarding. And I know how I feel about skateboarding. And I know how it worked out. Oh, this has got to work out then. If he feels that way, you can't stop us. So that's how Josh ended up being. He he became a genius. He moved his family to San Diego. Took all these risks. Took all these risks. And did you really did you believe it was going to work out? I did. Because of his passion. I did. I did. And it did. I it did. It did. And so what we found out at the end of the day, we found out like, man, we if we want to make money in beer, we have to make our own brewery. Because that's the only way you're going to get better margins. And we have to figure out how do you get distribution. That's the name of the game in the alcohol world is getting distribution. And it's hard to obtain. So we did all these. We did another business plan. Figured out what does it take to open up a brewery, blah, blah, blah. And we realized we're going to need about $2 million bucks. We were like, damn, how are we going to get $2 million bucks? And that's the first time I was involved in a raise, in a capital raise. So you've had like a parallel life and you've learned all about entrepreneurship in, in this parallel tracks and you were able to keep both, which listen, I, I say mission and money mm-hmm. and, and you have to have money at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mission doesn't always go with money. No, no, sometimes it especially in skateboarding. And sometimes it doesn't. No, no. And so it, tell everybody what happened with the brewery. So the brewery, long story short, we, we, went we raised the money and the way we did it looking back now it was genius but we didn't know it was genius what we did is we went all to our athlete friends our surfer friends skateboarder friends snowboarder friends who were all well known in our world and we asked them if they wanted to invest so all of them became ambassadors instead of us paying them to sponsor them said hey invest in all of us have ownership and we all have so huge social like media followings we all have these biz- we we all have big fan bases we can invest in this bet on ourselves and market this thing through our lifestyle and what we found in the beer world they didn't understand marketing the way we understand coming from brands all they thought was like giving coasters to local bars and putting up banners was their marketing and the beer was would sell itself and in some cases that's true in our world like we made a catalog we made a couple t-shirts we made our different skews of beers and we presented it to this distributor called stone and they thought we were like geniuses we've never seen any a catalog they it's like we invented what a catalog was (laughs) and they were like we've never seen any company do this anything and they started distributing us and we would just post social media make really cool videos content so how long did you guys keep the company that start we opened the doors in 2012 of the brewery in San Diego and in 2015 um Coors Light came and bought us out. Wow, what a great story. 3 years, 3 years later Coors Light came out, bought us out and I never knew about uh investing and you have to re up because we need to do another raise and dilution and so when I found out about dilution I was like what? Like we have to do another capital raise to just keep flowing. And I was like, I didn't want to uh, lower my, I, I thought I didn't want, well, so if they come in, ownership. my percentage is going in. So every time I just kept re-upping, I you kept reinvesting more, more. So I became the second highest shareholder in the brand at that time. There was one guy who just was already really rich and crazy businessman. I couldn't keep up with him <laughs> as far as the reinvesting, but I ended up becoming the, the second person out of all the investors 
like the second highest paid on the payout, which for me was wow. crazy. And I, it was just naive of just keep throwing money at it, keep that. I didn't know what I was doing, but I was just like, I, I don't know. It was, it was, uh, it was. So you've lived this very t- intense double life and it's gone very well. And so now you're in a very different place in your life and you're still in skateboarding, but how, how is it when you get to the point where you're saying, I'm at this place in my life, but I'm also, I also now slowly have to do other things Sure. because you still have a Nike deal. You still have all these things, but you're older than you were, right? Uh, yeah, unfortunately. So as an <laughs> athlete, uh, I mean, luckily you were doing both things at the same time anyway. So it's not like a big shock to your system, but how do you see your life going forward the next 20 years? And you and I've talked a lot. Yeah about also the fact that when everything comes to you so early in your life and such blessings come early in your life and then you're hit with lessons Mm -hmm. and how do you then begin the second half of your life both on a money note but also catching up emotionally because you almost missed a lot of your childhood 100 percent, i did i did for sure um i don't have an exact play-by-play explanation how to do that i guess my approach has always been like i'm in this moment whatever this moment presents now i'm just gonna try to work through what whatever that is and get through that and get through that next thing you know after years and years of doing that you look up and you realize oh my gosh look at everything that's happened and it all worked itself out i guess i've come to just first of all faith rely on god no matter what it's somehow some way it's all gonna be okay all gonna be okay no matter what even when you think it's not okay even if you're you know at the end of the day i believe even when you die it's all gonna be okay regardless so this is a game so to a certain level you have to take the heaviness out of it and treat it this life as a game don't treat it recklessly but like also don't put the most utmost over the top importance pressure on yourself because at the end of the day whether you're the so-called greatest, amazing, most accomplished person in the world, or you're the so-called worthless, most bum people in the world, it's all going to end regardless. It's all going to be done, and we got to go to whatever's next. So for me, I found comfort in that realization to a degree. It's where I can freely operate without feeling like it's going to be the worst thing ever if it goes wrong. So you've invested a lot in, in other businesses and in other drinks and other things. But going forward, mm-hmm. what floats your boat in terms of you've told me that you're interested in looking at real estate. You're Love looking it. at yeah. but you you are even kind of, it sounds to me like you really want to double down on this entrepreneur or the assets or the passive income. For sure. So talk about it. So what I've realized is I'm not an entrepreneur. I am mm-hmm. an investor. Wow. See, that's a very good what thing to realize. Yeah. Not I'm everyone not wants to be an operator. No, I'm not an operator. I want to do what I want to do, when I want to do, how I want to do. I don't want to be on the phone. I don't want to be answering emails. I don't want to be having meetings with finance guys and credit lines. and this. Don't care about that at all. Obviously, I know it's necessary. But I want to invest in the people who love to do that. I want to find those people so you're who, like an who angel get investor. off on that. Yes, I'd love to be an angel. But I think of those people as my angels that I can invest in. <laughs> you know, because thank God you love to do it because there's no way I would want to ever do that. So I I would like to put more gas on your fire. 
that's the way I look at it. Um, so I want to be an investor. Um, and and it sounds like you're still smelling and looking for your next big passion, which could come for any sure, moment. for sure, for sure. Because then you'll deep dive again. But that's that. why I want passive income, so I have the freedom to find my passion. If I want to go, you know, to a Buddhist monastery and spend six months meditating, I want to be able to do that if that's my passion. That's right, and not have to care or well, whatever it is. We've been lucky because I'm I'm one of those people too that I have worked for other people at times, but for the most part in my life. I've worked for myself mm -hmm. and, and I feel like when you're one of those people that is contrarian, when you work for other people, you're like, I, I, whatever, you should really work for yourself. Once you've already experienced working for yourself, there's no going back. There's no going there's back. No going it's, back. Very, it's very tough. Uh -huh. yeah. um, but I want to know, because I know you have a lot to say to like a young person. Like I know you've said it to your brother, Lucas. What do you think, what have you learned both good and bad? Like, what would you say? is important to, to find that road that gives, that fulfills your mission and your money. What are the most important Ooh. things you've learned? Um, because, you know, you can say, follow your dreams yeah, and yeah. the money will come, but that's not true not for true. everyone. No, it's not true. It's you're... not true for everyone. Yeah. If you, and it's also, we have to be careful when we say that in the United States, mm -hmm. because if you're a girl in Afghanistan and you want to be the greatest singer in the world, and maybe you are, Maybe no one will ever, ever ever hear you in a massive way. Yeah, I can't. I can't say. I can't speak from other people's circumstances. I was born in fortunate circumstances. I was happened to be born ge geographically where my dream happened to be. So a lot of things were already in aligned. line. But I also do not know a lot of people who were born in so-called aligned circumstances and never did nothing, blew it all. So for me, what I've learned is comes down to your attitude, how you see something, how you frame up your circumstances in your mind, how you see it. I'm in a good position. Let me take advantage. Or I'm in a bad position, so I'm screwed and can never get out of it. Then you're already, you, you just condemned yourself by thinking of that way. I'd like to think if I was born in whatever you might label as bad conditions that I would have had still this mentality that would have dreamed my way out of it. Um. So I, where am I going with this? Telling what would I tell somebody their money and their mission? That I, I actually don't know what I would say. I would just say like, find whatever you feel like you're in alignment with, and if money is something you desire as well. I mean, everybody desires money, but like you have to really want it as well. And I don't mean taking it or stealing it from nobody. That's not the way to live your life. Because you want having money, you want to be happy too. You want to be able to go to bed at night with a good conscience. Otherwise, having all the money in the world but feeling terrible by yourself, you're living in hell. Uh, I'm going on a tangent. Sorry. Uh, well, I'm going to tell you what I see that you may not. I, well, yeah. The things I've seen that you have. First of all, you have worked very in a very highly disciplined monastic. 10 hours, 12 hours a day and, and have created mastery around specific things. So you have to talk about the discipline sure. of sticking to something. Yeah, absolutely. But here's the thing that I can't take credit for is like, like I said earlier, it didn't feel like discipline. It was, a, it was an urge. It was a calling. I had to do it. If I didn't do it, I felt sad. I felt depressed. I felt lost, you know, because I, I am very late. If I'm not interested, I am lazy. If I don't want to do it, ask me to answer an email. It's not happening. I do not. If I don't want to do it, I will not do it. 
but if I want to do it, I will do it and outdo whoever in it because I just have to in it. I get off on it. I have to do it. So I would say that's where you start. You find that thing that you feel like you have to do. You have to do it, whatever it is. It doesn't matter if you love making hot dogs. You know, we all know the place Nathan's Hot Dogs is a huge hot dog stand. I'm sure the original Nathan made a great living off it and killed it. The guy just loved grilling hot dogs. Well, I also think and he went you with have it. made a big deal out of attracting, or we could say attracting, or finding, mm-hmm. or learning, mm-hmm. or just wanting to learn things and attracting a team. Sure. It's impossible to do everything yourself. 100%. Even now, with your skateboarding life, you've created a team. Yeah. And, and, and literally a team of kids that skate and also a team of that handles people. all that. Yeah. So you have not done, you've done, there's part of what you've done that is a singular uh, athletic thing, but it is not alone. You're no. surrounded. That's what I've learned about a team is if you want a real successful team, nobody needs to step on anybody's toes. You're put in that position to do the best at that position and your teammate who's in the other position that complements your position needs to just be the best at that position. And if everyone just stays in their lane and is the best at who they are in that position, when you guys combine, combine your powers doing that, you you can't be stopped. So like, I never try to act like I know more than like, you know, my, my lawyer or my, my CEO, like I may have a different opinion, but if they explain it to me in a certain way, I hear you. Okay. Well, you're the expert in that field. I don't quite understand it yet, but I know that you're great at what you do. So, okay, let's give it a shot. Sometimes you're right. Sometimes you're wrong. But at least if we all can come together, make a decision, I think making a quick, concise decision is better than making no decision at all. Because at least if you make a decision and it's not the right decision, you can at least know that, okay, well, we can fix this. Let's go to the, let's do something else real quick. Don't get stuck in like, paralysis analysis paralysis or whatever that that's called you know what i mean and um i don't know that's so you have been both a successful athlete and a money maker mm-hmm. and so we want to inspire other people to do it yeah so what are you open to the universe for what's next um, i mean obviously you're still doing what you're doing but right are you open to whole a whole new inspiration 100 and then and then how about for someone like you that has lived so much so early, what's left to do and and what is left to learn in your personal life? Because I think that's what we've all, all oh, of us that have achieved early. Right. The learning never stops. You don't figure all out at once in life. Never. Right? The learning never stops. So if one part stops. of your life is really, it's worked out. <laughs> then the other part is really the, not worked out. Yeah. Right. People need to know that. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. We're all a little out of balance. Yeah. Because you can't, that whole thing about being... Even and everything just it doesn't usually happen. Look, jack of all trades, that type of thing, but right. you're a master of none, you know. And that's just the sacrifice you make. Like, I, I, I think I'm sensing what you're referring to. Like, I, I've made so much um, um, progress in one area, but in in my love life, it's it's been a it's been a lot of failed businesses. Should You're we call them? A lot of failed businesses in my love life, but uh, well, we know that that's what happens when we over hyper focus on one thing, then we have to work on the other. Yeah. But you're still very young. Okay. Yeah. And you're very successful. 
Doing and, well. and now we have to, it's it's like me going back to school so I could become congruent. Uh-huh. And I had to almost stop working for a while mm-hmm. so that I could grow up finally. Yeah, but and, see, you had the, the matureness to understand that that's what you had to do. I, well, I did. And you had the financial freedom that's to right. make that choice. That's right. And I want people to hear that it's not that money makes you happy. No. But money gives you the freedom to make really good decisions. 100%. And that's why it's important. But it also gives you the freedom to make terrible decisions. If you, yeah, you Money, can. I think, can accentuate what you already, it, it like puts us a magnifying glass on how your brain already works. If you're already dysfunctional and somehow you come into money, you're just going to get on a fast track to more dysfunction. Right. If you're already healthy and centered and well-balanced internally and you get money, it's just going to accentuate right. that so in a better way. That's why you have so many athletes that have money and then they, they blow it all and they buy things that are depreciating and all that. And I think for me that I've, I've never, as you know, I've never been grandiose. Um, money for me is freedom mm-hmm. to make choices and make Absolutely. better decisions. Yeah. But I am so proud of you. Thank you, Nellie. To have known you since, <laughs> since you're eight years old. And I, I look forward to many, many, many more years and beautiful, Thank you. beautiful <laughs> businesses and also beautiful in every way you are. <laughs> Thank you, you are now. very zen and I'll very tr- I try to be very old soulish, as is my son. Uh, yes, that's he why is. you're both brothers and mm-hmm. you're you're both a, a gift in my life. So well, thank, thank you, you so much. And you've been a gift in ours, and we appreciate and love you. Moneymaker is a production of Money News Network. Moneymaker is written and hosted by me, Nelly Galan. Our executive producer is Morgan Lavoie. Thanks for listening. See you next time.